0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 12 of the Gopher Podcast. I'm Abby Gillespie.
1: And I'm Zach Sloviak.
0: This week, we have a lot of exciting things to talk about in the small town lowdown. And we also have an interview with one of the most interesting people in Chatfield High School.
1: In Chatfield High School history, because everything has to do with history in this place. All right, go ahead and cue the band. All right, Abby, so I was thinking this week, and after posting our podcast early last week and having some people and our listeners listen to a podcast that was unedited, what's an embarrassing thing that you have done that it's like, it's not that embarrassing, but you'll always remember it?
0: I remember once at my brother's football game, like flag football, so he was probably fourth or fifth grade. Uh, I was walking and I had seen, I don't remember what I saw, but I saw some kids doing something and I was really excited about it because I wanted to go join in on them. So I ran over and was telling my mom, I thought I was telling my mom what these kids are doing, except for it was a person that looked nothing like my mom, but I thought it was my mom. And I told her like, oh, these kids are going to do this. And I was all excited about it. Turns out it was her kids and they weren't supposed to be doing that, so I unintentionally got them in trouble and I felt really bad about it. <laughs> like second grade Abby felt really bad about it because I thought I was just telling my mom what these kids were doing.
1: I'm gonna go play and.
0: Yeah, then they got chewed out. kids are doing what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, it was embarrassing when I definitely I posted that in Miss Lowry in the front office and then. Miss Gillespie texted Abby and was like, hey, this is, <laughs> this is posted and not edited. I was like, oh geez. Um, so yes, to the listeners, we recognize that we posted the wrong one. Um, it is fixed, <laughs> but um, that actually so like, I'll always remember it. And I don't know, like it shouldn't be that embarrassing, but it is. Um, I was in high school and we had a homecoming assembly and I went to a high school where our graduating class was anywhere between 400 and 500. So there was a lot of people in our high school. And um, I was lucky enough to be asked my junior and senior year to host our homecoming celebration. So me and my best friend would always, we were like the two guys that would host it, and then a girl from my grade hosted it with us. And I remember that, so we had a swim team that was just crazy. Like they were super crazy. Like they would do, they would always push the boundaries. Like as a teacher, I would never want to be in charge of one of these because they were always like pushing that boundary of what you can and can't do. And um, they did something super crazy, and then I was supposed to announce the next team that came out, and the crowd was still going crazy about, like, <laughs> what they had just done. Like, it was hilarious. Like, I think they came out in, like, a ward, like, no joke. I think, like, they had a closet that they came out in and opened it. It was, like, they just started sprinting out from the locker room, but they were all in, like, non-appropriate school gear. So, yeah. They were in their swim gear. and. Like, the crowd just went crazy. And then I got, like, they got a teacher to do it with them. So that's what made the crowd go even crazier. And I was up next to announce the next team. And it was, like, not like not hating on this team or anything, but it wasn't, like, a super exciting team to announce. Mm-hmm. And, like, the crowd's still going crazy. So I, like, let them calm down. And I'm, like, all right, let's give it to them one more time. And, like, the crowd, like, went crazy again. And then I completely spaced on what team was coming out. Oh, no. So, like, I was in front of everybody. It's, like, that awkward moment where the person that's announcing is, like, looking around, like, oh, gosh, who's coming out? Now like, I looked over to the corner, and I was lucky enough that um, one of my friends from our school, she was on the team. And I was, like, okay, good. Okay. Like, I remember what I'm going to say. But, like, is that awkward pause. Like, I don't know if anybody in the crowd noticed, but, like, I definitely remember being, like, oh, my gosh, I'm in front of this, these 2,000 people at a minimum, and I'm forgetting what I'm going to say. <laughs> and... I just, oh, and I remember looking into my principal's eyes and she was so mad that I asked for the crowd to give another round of applause that like, yeah. I'm looking everywhere and I'm like, this is just a bad moment. So that was my, outside, <laughs> I mean, that might, sorry, go for podcast listeners, that might be the embarrassment of posting the wrong thing. But uh, that was, that was definitely my embarrassing moment that I'll always remember. <laughs> always remember.
0: Still haunts you.
1: It still haunts me to this day. <laughs> and that's it. Tell kids in class you won't beat it. Um, That's our random conversation. Um, So people listening, if you want to comment on Instagram some of your embarrassing stories that you'll never forget or just think about them to kind of lighten up your week, go ahead. Um, This week's Small Town Lowdown, as Abby said, we have some awesome things that are happening inside Chatfield High School and Chatfield community. Um, This week was really a week of kind of craziness but on top of that like looking back on it and reflecting there's a lot of a lot of a lot of really really cool things that happened that aren't being spotlighted so that's what we're going to do um abby do you want to since you work at the care center Mm -hmm. can you spotlight something that's really cool that our middle school resource room did for the care center
0: yeah so for valentine's day the middle schoolers in the resource room made gnomes and cards to send to the residents that are staying at the care center and last night I was working and I actually saw some of them in the room so and they looked really good and a lot of the residents were excited to show me so, that they had gotten them and that someone's out there caring for them.
1: Yeah absolutely and I mean there's enough cards to get how many people are in the care center?
0: I'd say about 70 or so. So
1: there were 70 gnomes and cards produced by a resource room Uh, That is so, I mean, like just, that's a lot of work. Like I think of, I think of grading like 70 easy assignments. That's a lot of work. And they had to make 70 gnomes and cards. So uh, middle school resource room, huge shout out from the Gopher podcast. Way to do chat, feel proud. And like Abby said, you made a lot of people really, really happy and feel loved in a time where people really can't have that interaction because of COVID and stuff like that. Um, So awesome work, really good work, middle school resource room. Um, Another person we want to highlight um, is Samantha Olgen, and she is a freshman here at Chatfield High School, and she swims for a club team out of Rochester, and one thing that not many people know, including me until Sam told me about this, um, that when you swim for a club team, there's specific age groups that you swim against, and Sam... Turned 15 this year, so she's in the 15 and older, and that goes all the way through college. So you can have a college swimmer that you're competing against. Sam qualified for state out of this as a 15 year old. That's crazy. That I, I know, I'm like, <laughs> you're the youngest that you can be, and you are out there. And she said she qualified by, they do it by time, and she qualified by over a second, which that's a, like a really long time. Like, yeah, I know, and I mean,
0: swimming for sure.
1: I say in races, I know a second a long time, so I got to imagine yeah. like swimming, that's even longer like if like that's crazy like so congratulations sam that is awesome um that is super 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 cool and we're super proud of you um way to rep chapfield Re- rep it at state let's go yes. <laughs> abby do you want to tell us something exciting that happened in chapfield's varsity basketball game on february 18th
0: yeah so on thursday the varsity boys basketball team played Fillmore central and we had someone score their very first varsity points in an exciting way. So congratulations to Broden Hobbs, who scored his first, first varsity points on Thursday. Yeah,
1: three point nothing, but net, had a boy Hobzy. Uh, <laughs> stay out of trouble, big dog. Had a boy. We'll definitely put that video of Broden sinking that three um, on Thursday night in the comments. I'm gonna try to figure out how to do that, but yeah. if not. If not, I think that they're going to try and post it on Facebook too. So go ahead and give that a look, give that a like. Congratulations, Hobbsy, man. It was fun to watch. (laughs) The bench went crazy. They all
0: jumped up. It was so
1: awesome. It was an awesome Chatfield moment to happen. Um, So congratulations, Hobbsy. Congratulations to the men's basketball team. Uh, Way to be a class act with that. Um, Now we're going to go into Snow Vid Week. Can you explain what Snow Vid Week is?
0: Yeah, so usually... In February or March, we have snowball and snow week where we have a dance and we have a week of dress up days and then some activities like in the past, they'll have a snowman making contest if there's enough snow and stuff. But because of COVID, we can't have a dance and we can't do some of the activities that we usually do. So instead we're having a two week snow bid days where we dress up and like the Monday-Tuesday group will dress up as something and then the Thursday-Friday group will dress up as the same thing later that week. So there's gonna be four dress up days for students and staff to do and kind of make it a competition to still have some sense of normalcy.
1: Yeah, and next week Wednesday, I know Miss Schindler came and talked to me and a couple other staff members and we're looking forward to this sled race I hear there's a rumor about. Uh, me and Mr. Narvison are gonna Take the cake on this. We've already <laughs> talked about it. We have a plan. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Good luck to the rest of people in snow vid week. Um, but yeah, be looking at So especially students, I mean, even if you're not a student and you have an Instagram page, go ahead and follow the Chatfield Delta Instagram page. And I'm sure you'll see some of the top dressers of the week. I mean, I'm sure that'd be something that'd be fun to put out there for people to see. So go ahead and give that a follow and give that a look. Um, but yeah, absolutely. That's going to be... A, as a teacher and as a young teacher, even as older teachers, I know people talk about how this kind of gives you a sense of belonging in the school and it's fun to interact with the kids this way. So, um, yeah, go ahead and check that stuff out. It's going to be a fun week or two weeks now. It's an extended time. Um, but, yeah, Snowbird Week, it's on its way. Abby, do you want to introduce our next guest that we are going to be bringing in for one of the most, I got to believe, it's going to be one of the most inter- interesting interviews we're going to have on this podcast?
0: In our weekly press conference, we'll have Mr. Clark, who's gonna have some interesting stories for us because he has a little bit of a different background in history than some of the teachers here.
1: All right, Mr. Clark, let's go. All right, everybody, so this week, our guest on our weekly press conference is a new teacher to the school, um, and he's one of the most interesting people that we've had on staff in a really, really long time. this is Mr. Clark, our middle school English teacher. Welcome to the, welcome to the podcast. Hello everyone, thank you for welcoming me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Mr. Clark, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So being on staff, I've got to meet you a little bit throughout the year in the lunchroom, just throughout the days. Um, and you've got some crazy stuff that you've experienced in your life. What type, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, uh, I was born sometime in the mid 80s
2: uh, in Rochester at Methodist Hospital. Uh, and then I grew up on a farm outside of Dover, and then moved to the town of Iota uh, for my, most of my, teen, well it was my teen years, and uh, into college. Uh, and yeah, I was a dover Yoda graduate in 03, so you can figure out the math on that if you really wanted to. Uh, and then after that I, I went, First, I I thought I was going to be an international journalism guy. So I went to Hamlin University for a year until I realized, you know, this education thing is really more suited to me. So I transferred down to Winona State, and that's where I graduated. While I was going to college, I did some things. I I started fighting, kind of by accident, mixed martial arts (laughs) fighting by accident. Uh, I went to an event with a friend's dad, and midway through, he turned and said... uh, you know, you could probably beat up most of these guys. And I said, you know, you might be right. So I found a guy who did it, uh, and I asked, hey, where's practice? Started showing up, and then three months later, I started fighting, and it just kind of kept rolling after that. I never had any plans to do it, but it's just how it went. Sweet. And anything, want more? Sure, keep I, going. I can keep going. I've keep got, going. Uh, I was going to say, I've got the, the biography thing down. <laughs> so I did that for quite a while, where I was going to school and fighting, and... At the same time, I took over my grandparents' vegetable garden and farming things uh, when I was 15, so I've always had chickens and raised a big vegetable garden, and by the time I finished fighting, I had divided myself up to three income streams, where I was fighting, farming, and teaching, and then eventually I decided to uh, to cut back on the fighting part of it and just focus on the farming and teaching, and now I guess teaching's the main thing, at least until spring comes around. Awesome. It's... uh, it's an interesting life, that's for
0: sure. Wow, it sounds like it. I'm sure you have some interesting stories from when you were an MMA fighter. Do you want to tell us one of those or something that comes to mind?
2: Well, let's see. Uh, this week, uh, my seventh period class was asking me about my only knockout loss. And I was like, gee, thanks, guys. 26 <laughs> fights. The one you want to focus on is the one, the one knockout loss. But I told them the story. I have stories for all of the fights. Uh, I don't know, I think going to Tokyo is probably the most fun. Unfortunately, I had to do it, uh, I only got to spend a week in Tokyo each time. The first time I went over, my grandfather became very sick while I was there, so I came back early. And then the second time was in the middle of a semester of school, so my professors were not very forgiving. I could miss the two classes that I missed for uh, for that week being in Japan or I would not pass my classes with a high enough grade to continue on in the program. So they didn't cut me a lot of slack there. So that was always interesting, trying to negotiate school and fighting. Uh, I had uh, my fight in the UFC that week. I had to fly to Las Vegas in the middle of the week, fly back to Winona because it was finals week. So I had finals, fly to Vegas, get a photo shoot, fly back, have a final the next day, fly back out to California the next day. (laughs) Stay there for the weekend and fight. But at least, you know, at least finals week was over. <laughs> right. It was It was a little awkward when I realized on the flight back from Las Vegas that I was still covered in the baby oil from their photo shoot. Like, they'd done the best job they could cleaning me off. But they, they like you to look tough and slick, I guess, for those photo shoots.
1: Uh-huh. Wow. So is there any secret to MMA fighting where people watch it live on TV and they're like, oh, that looks easy, but really look what's the most difficult thing that it came down to in mma fighting what was the hardest thing that like i mean a lot of people watching like oh, i could punch somebody and get punched but like
2: uh, it's, it's the getting punched in the head and knee in the ribs and then also keeping your game plan so you have to be able to think while you're getting punched in the head and that's probably the most difficult part and i think i was always pretty good at that because I'm very in in the moment. Like I don't need to get really worked up for sports or any of that. I just stayed calm, and that allowed me to keep thinking while I was going in there. So it always kind of looked like I was bored going into a fight, and that mentality—it wasn't something I had in high school. Like in high school, I was getting amped up for wrestling meets, probably to a point where I, that I didn't need to be. <laughs> it wasn't until I had a fight where I got sick in the recovery process from weight cutting, and I. Needed to settle myself down Intestinally <laughs> Polite way of putting that um, <laughs> And so I meditated before a fight One time and then I went out there And just destroyed this hometown guy Who I had traveled to South Dakota to beat up And I was like, alright that's maybe A better philosophy so from then on I was as calm as I could be going into fights And for the most part it worked out alright
0: Wow How many years did you fight then Because you said you started in college
2: Let's see Eight I think eight or nine years of active fighting.
0: Okay.
2: I, I was very active at the beginning because, like, the Midwest MMA scene back then, there were, there were no athletic commissions covering it. It was just kind of go to a random bar on a weekend and fight somebody. And then after the first few months, you got to bigger shows in, in hockey venues and things, and that's a little more organized. And then eventually the athletic commissions took over, and there became fewer and fewer events. So I started out fighting... Five or six times a year. Towards the end, I was only fighting two or three times a year.
1: so what's the biggest name that you fought with, against, or like were featured with? Like uh, so.
2: Well, I fought two guys who were ranked in the top ten in the world. It was both of the guys that I fought in Japan. They aren't really well known around here. Like the one of them fought in the UFC for on a couple of different occasions, but he was never a title challenger. Uh, later on, I fought a guy named Anthony Smith, who's still in the UFC and lost a, a, the UFC, light. he got a UFC light heavyweight title fight against John Jones, who's probably the best fighter ever, or at least currently. He has other issues involved in his career, but as a fighter, he's probably the best, and uh, Anthony lost a decision to him. So, I mean, that's probably the best guy I fought. So how'd you do against Anthony? I lost by cut, Doctor stoppage. I... There's still some questions about how I, his team would say I was hit with a right hand right at the beginning of the second period. Uh, the report, the press on hand said I was headbutted. I don't really know. I know he went for a takedown, and when I was on my back afterwards, I was bleeding from my uh, eyebrow. It was pretty deep, and so after a few minutes of trying to get a submission while just gushing blood all over, it's the, the video's on the Internet. You can see it. There's a lot <laughs> of blood. They uh, Yeah, the doctor stopped it, and they had to put a few dozen uh, stitches in my eyebrow to put it back together because they had to do multiple layers. Mm-hmm. So It was a competitive fight for the first round, but not my favorite one to watch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, transitioning more into, like, a peaceful thing, what do you, you said you farm, what do you farm? Do you do, like, animals or just crops?
2: I raise vegetables and beef cattle. Okay. Uh, that's the two main things. So I, I run a CSA, which is community supported agriculture. It's a farm share program where people pay me at the beginning of the year and then I deliver them vegetables for the rest of the summer. Well, and then I do the same thing with eggs for beef. I just sell it by the quarter and a half. Generally, I had some hogs this year because we had with COVID. We had that crazy people dumping hogs in the springtime. So I bought a, I I got a couple dozen from a cousin and raised those up and sold them as well. So if we're looking for a good deal, we come talk to you. Probably not. Well, it's
1: geez. a premium product. <laughs> I gotta charge a lot per pound to make a living <laughs> off. Of it, you know. Um, so what is your? What is the most difficult vegetable that you have to sell? Like what's, what's the hardest to, one to, to sell or yeah. to grow? Both. Let's go with both.
2: Uh, to grow seedless watermelons, oh. they are very finicky. They, they take a lot of, like, they cook, when you order the seeds, first of all, they're extremely expensive, like a buck a piece. Because, you know, think about it, seedless watermelons, where do the seeds come from? How does this work? <laughs> there are very few seeds, and they're, they lack vigor. They don't grow very well, so you have to be very careful with them. So it takes a couple months of work before they're even, like, ready to start flowering. So it's, they're a tricky one. Uh, and then the the most difficult to sell probably turnips. People aren't real big into turnips,
0: hmm.
1: which means I don't grow that many of them. Ah, uh,
0: makes sense. Yeah.
1: Supply and demand. Mr. Would be so proud.
0: Oh, for sure. Is that a history class though, or is it?
1: It is. It is. It falls under social studies. <laughs> um. So what? We're, we're at about ten minutes. Um. I could keep going with this interview forever. Yeah, I'm fun editing. <laughs> um. So. We're going to go into our fire drill. So Abby and I are just going to fire some, we'll fire five questions that you just answer them as truthfully, as honestly as you can. We'll kind of go away from MMA, we'll go away from farming, we'll go away from teaching. It'll just be kind of a little bit about you. Um, so I'll start. I want to know, what is your biggest fear that no one would know about? What are you afraid of?
2: Uh, oh, I've always been fearful. I go on a lot of, or, or in the past, I would go on a lot of uh, solo camping trips, like in Glacier National Park. I've always worried about falling off a cliff and no one being around to, like, yeah, where did he go? I don't know, he's just gone. Which, it's it'd be a decent way to go. Your burial ground is the national park. Like, a lot of people would like to have that, but... It'd be nice to be noticed if I go, I guess. Uh, I've never been a big fan of having things touch my legs when I'm swimming in a lake and I can't see what that is. That's not great. Uh, Gotten over that one more. So I suppose drowning, being pulled under by a lake monster. Is that a rational fear? Sure. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think of any. I don't have a ton of things that I'm too fearful about. But, yeah, we can go with those.
0: Okay what is your favorite type of music to listen to? Ooh.
2: Hmm. It, it depends on the, it seems like my favorite albums tend to be, uh, some uh, odd hip hop, like run the jewels was a really good album from last year. Before that, Aesop rock. Uh, it, it can depend. I, I've lately been listening to a lot of just sort of Americana and just jamming out stuff, trying to stay relaxed on things. So I, I've been listening to J. Roddy Walston in the business a lot lately. Oh. And, and a group called Low Cut Connie out of Philadelphia.
1: They're pretty <laughs> fun. What is your favorite dessert to have? Ooh.
2: I'm going through a list of them right now. Well, my mother makes some really good pies, so there, there's a variety of pies. I don't think I'll claim any, any one as my particular favorite, but I encourage her to make pie at any, at, for any occasion because then I can appreciate all the various uh, desserts that she can create. Awesome.
0: What does your typical Friday night look like?
2: Going to bed early, unfortunately. I might get sushi. Su- I often get sushi. It's <laughs> like, like definitely my favorite food. So I, I get sushi and then I go to bed early because I have tons of stuff. Like with teaching full time, I have I have to cram all my farm stuff into the the weekend. So I'm usually pretty busy.
1: This weekend's another hay hauling weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, if there was one dream car of yours, and you could roll up to school on Monday in this car, what car are you rolling up in?
2: Uh, Oscar Mayer mobile. I saw one of those it was for sale one time. They're just not that practical. And I've always liked those old postal trucks. That would be fun to deliver my vegetables in a postal truck, but they, they don't have a top speed that works for highways and things. Uh, I don't know. I got to do... I drove sports cars when I was in high school. We had a, a pastor who he didn't have to pay for his housing, so he leased fancy cars. And he... like I learned to drive on a, a brand... You know, using a brand new Mustang, so... Like, I think I, I got the, the fast car thing out
1: of the way when I was a teenager. Now we're the Oscar Mayer Wiener, Oscar Wienermobile. Yeah, I know. That's awesome. Well, Mr. Clark, I'm hoping people enjoy listening to this interview as much as we've enjoyed having it. Um, thank you for being on the Gopher Podcast this week. Hopefully we can have you on again to hear some more adventures of Mr. Clark. Yes.
2: Thank you for having me out. There are many adventures to be told. My students know this. They use it to distract the class from their tasks
1: pretty regularly. <laughs> thank you so much. It's been awesome to have you. Take care. Wow, Abby, that was quite the interview. I never thought, like I was just telling Abby, I never really thought a life could be as interesting and as packed as Mr. Clark's is. What's something that really stuck out to you about Mr. Clark?
0: I liked how he was talking about how he used to be really riled up and kind of someone that would be on edge all the time and fight, and then he learned through fighting that it worked better for him to be relaxed and meditate and things like that worked better when he was trying to fight and he did better
1: right i thought it was interesting for him to tell us how he started from venues um such as like he'd go into small places and fight and then as things grew you saw the ufc idea fight or fighting and growing and growing throughout the united states and then he would actually be able to go to bigger and bigger venues i thought it was crazy for him to tell us that he fought two of the guys that are some of the biggest fighters in the world. And then on top of that, a guy who fought Jon Jones, which I, I mean, I don't follow UFC fighting, but I know who that is. So it's for me, it's crazy to have like, I know Mr. Clark, Mr. Clark fought a guy that fought Jon Jones. I'm like, I'm one link away from, <laughs> from seeing somebody who fought Jon Jones. That's so crazy. I think that I mean, and then on top of that, to, I mean, when you tell me a UFC fighter, the last thing that comes to my mind is a vegetable farmer. So like, right.
0: like, and an English teacher,
1: right? Like, it's like all over the spectrum. I'm like, <laughs> holy cow. This guy is Awesome. Um, so he's super fun to have on staff and I mean, he's helping with our wrestling team. So, I mean, he's an awesome Piece of the puzzle to have on a staff like he's kind of can do everything Has a lot of experiences that kids really enjoy to hear about the staff enjoys to hear about So yeah, I thought that was an awesome thing to hear. Abby, did you have a quote this week to go? Either along with mr. Clark's interview or whatever.
0: Yeah, kind of going with his peaceful thought mindset The quote of the week is, those who are free of resentful thoughts surely find peace.
1: Peace is great. Um, We hope you guys enjoyed the 12th episode of the Gopher Podcast. I know we enjoyed creating it. Um, We'll see you guys again next week, hopefully, and bring some people with you. Tell your friends. What What do you have to say, Abby? Cue
0: the band. Cue the band.